Welcome to the latest Tez Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, Scotland editor at Tez, and we'll be looking at the topic of our latest long read on the policy of reducing teachers' contact time by 90 minutes a week. To talk about this, I'm joined today by Peter Bain, head teacher at Oban High School and the new chair of the Bosch group of head teachers. Welcome, Peter. Nice to see you, Henry. So this uh, policy came about out of the blue in the SNP manifesto for last May's Scottish parliamentary elections. It was a single line with no detail saying that teachers' contact time would be reduced by an hour and a half a week to, quote, give them the time they need to lift standards. It actually said an hour and a half a day originally to much excitement in the teaching community, but that turned out to be a proofreading error in the manifesto. So essentially the maximum class contact time or teaching time for teachers in Scotland go from 22.5 hours a week to 21 hours a week. That idea is welcomed welcomed by pretty much everyone in principle. Contact time in Scotland is very high when set against other countries that have comparable data. But it may prove tricky to execute in practice. First, there has to be agreement over what the 90 minutes is for. And second, schools have to work out how to fit it into their timetables. So, Peter, could I ask you first, how is non-contact time organised in schools just now and specifically in your school? Uh, there's very little difference to how it's organised in uh, most schools, including my own, uh, I would argue, or I would hope. I mean, you know, we have 195 days a year, 190 with the kids. It's a 35-hour week and, you know, there's up to 22 and a half hours of class contact time with the rest being allocated across a range of uh, accepted norms like parents' evenings, reports, union meetings. Whatever that may be, and of course, finally, with the preparation and correction time, which has to make up a third of the extra hours across each of the schools, depending on you know your school role and your staffing. And we don't have a national staffing formula, so some schools have more staffing in there for more increased staffing capacity and more cover capacity than others. But beyond that enhancement of staffing, most schools, including my own, will be using that non-contact time for the you know the list I just mentioned, making sure that the the classes are ready, uh, that we're well prepared to support young people, and we're supporting professional development amongst the amongst the teachers. And if you could cast your mind back, what was your first thought when you initially heard about this new policy to reduce contact time? I thought, well, when I first heard that, of course, it came at a time when we're dealing with all the the pandemic issues and the pandemic has brought great stresses and strains to society, including schools and right across the profession. Having that extra time to take stock of uh, how best to prepare our youngsters who are, who are suffering and experiencing a number of uh, societal stresses so an additional awareness of the pastoral care that all teachers need to pay attention to with the youngsters sitting in front of them it would give more time for that i thought it would give us more time to uh, to plan for the increased level of online learning and although there's a great flourish of that during uh, during the lockdowns of course there is an enhanced residue of that still being required in schools and it will continue to be required from year on in. Youngsters who are unable to come into school in ever greater numbers, we have a responsibility for and we seek to support them and our teachers are, 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 are keen uh, on the whole to uh, to provide some degree of online support 
two children's homes to ensure that the children are uh, suitably uh, supported. And I, and I don't mean that as live learning in terms of uh, a kid accessing a, a live class, but uh, thousands of teachers across the country will be using things like Google Classroom or Microsoft packages to share the normal day-to-day materials of the youngsters at home to make sure that they can keep a pace with the learning that is going on in the schools. I think so that the extra 90 minutes would support that pastoral care, would support that new technology learning that we are clearly going down towards. And of course, there's already the huge workload issues that staff faced anyway, and it would allow uh, teachers to have more time for that, uh, you know, the extra preparation. I think the only danger with that is that uh, that we use too much time to do more marking and more assessment. I think we need to, that's something we definitely need to be saying, that the, we need different uh, mechanisms to support teachers to reduce marking uh, and that type of assessment to give them more time to to think carefully about how we support our young people, not just increase the number of marking that they can do. Just on that last point then, do you foresee any tension between, say, the the views of teaching unions who are already coming out and saying, you know, this is really about marking and correction time and uh, local authorities who might have a different uh, idea of how that time might be used. Uh, I, I fully support the the view of the, uh, the teaching unions that we do need a time for a preparation and correction. Uh, but it is preparation. It's the foremost word. And, and, and a lot of people see that as traditional marking, uh, you know, taking in jotters, you know, we don't have enough time to do that. But I think that there has been for many, many years uh, a shift uh, in the way in which we develop teacher skills in terms of teaching and learning to to reduce the, the marking that we do. Uh, so I, I think it has to be done in tandem. I think that we need to be using CLPL to readdress the, the skills and the experiences nece- necessary to take forward youngsters' education without necessarily just applying on more questions and more the marking of answers. And we need to swap out that time with the time that is required for teachers to be thinking about, well, how do we teach online? How, you know, how, how do we take more opportunity to sit, talk more to our youngsters in the class about what their individual needs are? And I think the teacher unions are quite right to identify that. But equally, that's not to say that uh, we shouldn't be aiming to find that balance of need. And I don't think it's a it, it's a conflict between the trade unions and the local authorities. I think from the publication of what's been written, it, it's more of a conflict between uh, the trade union view of you know an accept an accepted concern, along with what the Scottish government have said that the money is there for. So I don't think that the the conflict is really between the generally accepted principle that there is a concern over uh, by the trade unions over uh, the workload for preparation and correction. And I think, and it's not a conflict between the trade unions and the local authorities. It's a conflict between concerns over workload uh, and how the time is to be used between some views and the views of uh, the Scottish government. For example, so the OECD recommended that the extra time that should be created uh, to take forward CFE uh, was for planning, leading and supporting CFE in particular. 
and uh, you know the government picks that up in their, their, their education program and they publish a statement that says that the, the extra uh, 90 minutes should be to give teachers the capacity to reduce contact time and an effort to prepare for lessons, to raise standards and to undertake professional development. And I would, un and I would argue that that bit about undertaking professional development is time that could be spent uh, raising awareness of how we can support youngsters beyond just giving them extra questions and that requires extra marking and putting that undue pressure on our teachers. So the teacher unions do have a, you know, a very valid concern, but how we take it forward needs to be in a more blended manner. And what information do you feel you still need to know about this policy and how it will play out? Well, you know, the, the benefits of the extra 90 minutes, you asked how I felt about that, I felt that this is great. Given every individual teacher 90 minutes to do, whether that's to do extra assessment work or it's to do extra CLPL or it's to take the time to, to think about how best to deliver a lesson for the benefit of the, the students and the teachers. You can't argue that that's not a good thing, but as a as a school leader and a school manager of uh, timetabling, the problem really comes uh, twofold. Firstly, it's to do with actually timetabling, and uh, and people always say, "Oh, you you know you you just need to fix the system. You just need to fix timetable timetabling." The problem is, of course, that nearly every school uh, has period lengths of either fifty or fifty five minutes and. So 90 minutes doesn't really go into that very easily. And so, yeah, you could uh, readdress normal timetabling considerations fairly easily, but a systematic structural change of requiring every period to suddenly fit into a 90-minute block so that you could either get an extra 90-minute or two forty-five doubles would mean almost every school, almost every secondary school in the country having to change the timetable system, and that's chaotic. Uh, and I, I think primarily that's the reason why this won't be implemented from August. The local authorities have quite rightly gone out and done their consultations with head teachers, and head teachers have said, well, we don't have the staffing for it. And equally, we've already started writing timetables based on a 50, 55 minute period, and we need more time for such a seismic shift in timetabling. You know, so that, that's a, a more practical aspect to just uh, how, how we run schools, but that could be overcome with time. You know, I'm pretty sure that if we knew how many staff exactly we were getting in by January, we would completely make that seismic shift and rewrite our timetables for next August. The trouble is, and this goes up my second point, that we will not know how many staff that we're definitely going to get in by January. It doesn't look like, and therefore you're possibly going to have to add another year because schools start to timetable in January with the whole course options process. And you need to know how many how many staff you're going to get and you're going to have to work out how many periods that requires, et cetera. So it looks likely that 24, 25, or even 25, 26 is a more likely realistic timescale for that. So that's the sort of operational aspect. But the, 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 sitting above that is the problem with staffing. Where are all the staff coming from? You know, universities are not taking in uh, enough across each of the secondary subjects. So, I mean, even at the moment, there's you know there's a there's a staffing crisis in some 
specific subject areas in some areas across the country. And it's particularly acute and has been for some time in rural areas. But even in the central areas, we see more and more a multiple adverts for certain subject areas and more common subject areas. You know, we've always struggled to get home economics teachers, for example, and technical teachers and, and, and occasionally science science bobs up and down whether you can get them or not. And now we're seeing even in the central belt schools in Edinburgh that can't find math teachers. And then if we're going to increase the number of teachers to allow for these extra 90 minutes, where are they coming from? And that, and that's the biggest problem. And then when we do manage to put numbers through the, the universities and they all become professional, then in all likelihood they'll do what they do just now and generally stick to the central belt. So we would need an enhanced provision, I think, to try and encourage more people to move from the central belt and to take up positions uh, across the country, nationwide, into the highlands, into the islands, down into the borders, and not just up to the, the central belt. And just going back to that very salient point you made about uh, this 90 minutes, that there's an arithmetical problem that just doesn't fit very well into the, the, the common structure of the school days, and uh, certainly in secondary schools in Scotland. Um, one suggestion that comes through in the piece uh, is that perhaps could you, um, rather than having this as a set amount of time each week, could you, you know, could you almost tally it up and maybe bring in some extra in-service days over the course of uh, a school year? Is that something that appeals at all to you as a head teacher? I, I think that that is a, a sensible idea to put forward. I think that when you add it all up, though, it would be a... <laughs> a rather large number of in-service days and uh, and it would take away from the pupil's entitlement to to you know so many hours in, in the academic year and we already have people uh, claiming that uh, the youngsters have fallen behind as a result of the pandemic and, and I think that that's true in certain areas in certain schools I don't think it's universally uh, true uh, for for every school and every youngster, it's obviously varied. It's a very complex issue that. Uh, so, but for those areas and those schools where it is true, then that would be even less time in front of a, a professional taking them forward through their learning. Other uh, on a similar note, another uh, example for that was that uh, we could perhaps use people like active schools uh, and, and use them as a block, so the youngsters would still be getting. Uh, an education. It could be an outdoor outdoor education as opposed to internal. It could be, you know, additional music tuition. We could bring together all, all the peripatetic musicians and, and put them, give them all extra time as well. I think that that would be a better option uh, or, or a complementary option to the idea that the teachers perhaps have blocks off uh, CLPL time and service time. And at the same time, the youngsters are receiving, you know, a very important uh, type of education. I, I'm a great uh, advocate of using more outdoor learning and uh, and giving the arts uh, more space in the timetable uh, to supplement uh, what they have already. I wouldn't see this being as an alternative. You know, this would be extra expressive arts and extra uh, outdoor learning or extra, you know, PE or whatever. So I, I think that would work as long as it was done in tandem. 
I should say you've made a couple of references to CLPL for anyone who's listening who maybe isn't familiar. That's career long yes, professional. My apologies. Teachers are about bad yeah. habit of using yeah, no, that. No, that's fine. No. <laughs> No, 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 just in case there might be someone listening who's, who's not okay with all the, the Scottish uh, abbreviations and acronyms and jargon. I should say that the the idea of using active schools, for example, uh, wouldn't be universally popular, of course, because uh, the trade unions in particular uh, would be saying that that would, that would mean a reduction in, in the number of teachers that we could employ. And I think that's true. I think that it would be really important to try and use the money to increase the number of teachers. But if we can't get teachers, we still have a, a commitment to educate our youngsters. Uh, so even if that was a, a, a short-term measure, uh, until such times as we can train enough teachers to go through university, through the probationary system and then into schools, then I think that would have to be considered as an acceptable proposal it talks such thing as there is enough teachers to, to carry out the role. And just finally, Peter, then, um, if we could project ahead a few years, let's uh, to a point where we've worked through all these issues we've been talking about. Um, you know, this policy is in place, it's working, uh, you know, in every school in the land. Just how big an impact do you think it could have? Yeah, I think that's a hard question. <laughs> it's a hard it's a hard question, Henry, because no matter how much time we give uh, to anyone in any role, they will fill it because education is such a complex environment that there are so many things that we want to do to do well for our young people that we could fill every minute of the day and then some and still complain we don't have enough time uh, to, to do the role. So the extra 90 minutes would, yes, would certainly seem like it would reduce workload, but I think dedicated professionals would just fill up the time doing even more to support our youngsters and, what, and <laughs> nothing will change. Nothing will change other than that time will have been available to give teachers the time to take stock, to prepare. Uh, and, and to develop their themselves. Uh, well, thanks very much, Peter, for your time today, and good luck in making it all work over the, the coming years. Uh, let's hope it you know does have the impact everyone hopes it does. Uh, the uh, Tes Scotland Long Read and Reducing Teachers' Contact Times out now at tes.com forward slash magazine, and we'll be back next month with another podcast. So join us there.